Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, and welcome to this week's Runner's World podcast with me, Ben Hobson. And me, Carrie McCarthy. This week, we are talking all things running gear. Um, we've decided that it's time to have a bit of a breakdown, Kerry. Not a mental, like physical <laughs> breakdown, a, break, a breakdown of running kit. <laughs> <laughs> a rundown, perhaps, might be, might be a better phrase. Um, yes, there's, we have been absolutely delighted to see how many people have embraced during lockdown what we smugly already knew, which is that running is ace. Um, lots of people have taken it up for the first time. Lots of people have gone back to it after a break. Lots of existing runners have just kept it going, which is wonderful. Uh, and we have seen uh, lots of chats online about people wanting to know what's the best kit to buy. It can be all very confusing. Um, there is that old adage about running as the simplest sport, one of the least expensive sports to do because all you really need is a pair of trainers. I don't know about you, Ben. I would say that's probably... That adage goes back about 20, 25 years, and it's not necessarily applicable anymore. I don't think so. I think that if I, if I, if I was to look in my cupboard, the uh, the one pair of sure rule is definitely out the window already. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think it's imp- I think this is this is kind of why we wanted to, to to broach the topic really, because there is that sort of hard and fast mindset about running being the most accessible, and it is because you know it is physically just running, and that's kind of a lot, you know something that everyone can do to a degree if they take it on as a steady process and sort of rediscover how to do it. But the kit side of stuff can be a, a bit of a a bit of a minefield, especially if you maybe if you started running. 20 years ago or something like that when language around kit was way different as well if you pronated and you needed a support shoe or a control shoe or all this sort of stuff where that sort of stuff doesn't really exist in in the in the modern world does it no i mean that's probably shoes is probably a good place to start actually because that's the obviously that is the fundamental piece of kit that you that one needs and yeah you're absolutely right until i would say five six years ago shoes existed in what in what the shoe brands like to call silos or buckets in america which is basically different categories depending on what type of runner you were and how your foot lands when it hits the floor so if you were a neutral runner i.e biomechanically efficient and you didn't do any weird phoebe from friends style stuff then you would need a neutral <laughs> cushion shoe uh, there were performance shoes, which are also neutral, but more stripped down, lighter for kind of, you know, mountain goats and speed demons. There were stability shoes for overpronators, i.e. people whose feet excessively roll inwards when they hit the floor, which can cause all sorts of problems all the way up your leg. And motion control shoes, which is basically a, a 
much sturdier, more severe form of stability shoe. Yeah, that kind of doesn't exist anymore because over time, the materials that are available to shoe brands have changed. There's been innovation, there's been invention. And also the science has moved on a bit in terms of actually this stuff that we're putting in our shoes, is it necessary? Is it helping people? Could it be secretly, you know, at best doing nothing, at worst causing injury itself? So kind of what happens now is, you know, the shoe brands have produced rather than shoes which fall into one of those four categories, they will produce numerous shades of grey. And we're actually moving towards a kind of a situation where a runner could almost find their perfect pair of shoes if they're prepared to look amongst the different brands and not be brand loyal because they're very kind of graduated. You can get a slightly neutral shoe, a very neutral shoe, a slightly, a slight stability shoe, moderate stability, heavy stability. So you can, you know, the advantage is now you can really look for something that absolutely suits you. The disadvantage yeah, exactly. is it's bloody confusing. Yeah, and also to, to be, you've got to be either find a very generous running shop that you know well who will let you try on numerous numbers of shoes and go running in them, which you know is 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 good practice for a good running shop. But at the same time, you're going to be forking out money if you want to try lots of different shoes. Um, yeah, I think on the st we we should on the stability bit. So basically, to sort of simplify the whole process, a stability shoe is anything that has something built into the medial side of the shoe, as in the instep of the shoe. So when you pronate and your foot moves, you, know, you sort of your ankle and everything rolls inwards. Pronation was always seen as a sort of a bad, as a bad thing that you, that would lead to injury. So shoe manufacturers decided that putting a large bit of plastic <laughs> in the bottom of a shoe to stop your foot from pronating too much was 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 a good move. Um, and mm. I think that that the reason why that's changed so much is that people have understood that biomechanically, when running pronation, is just shock absorption. That's you know, uh, a moderate pronator. Um, severe pronation is obviously something different, but everyone will pronate to a degree. And to to stop that process with with a lot a bit of plastic in your shoe, is that was actually causing people to become injured. So I think that's probably part of the story why stability isn't so much talked about anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, some pronation is completely natural, and we don't want to stop it all. Excessive pronation or over pronation you know you kind of do want to want to stop doing it but there are different ways to doing it and you know putting a big medial post as it was called yeah a big wadge of plastic on the inside of you kind of the heel section at the back was kind of the equivalent of putting sandbags out really to stop the tide coming in it was you know it was a fairly fairly rudimentary maneuver and so now what happens is you get all manner of increasingly subtle devices which achieve the same thing but not quite so aggressively. So they don't actually stop your foot in its tracks. They just kind of gently guide it back to the middle. You know, there are things called guide rails, which are, you know, essentially uh, a rail which runs around the top of the midfoot, round the back of the heel and around the outside of the shoe. And you, you kind of think of it like if your foot is the bowling ball, the guide rails are those kind of, you know, when you go bowling with your kids and the, you put the rails up on the side so it can't go in the gutter. They're just keeping the ball, i.e. your foot in the middle. There is also a, a school of thought now that actually people, what, one of the disadvantages of having these devices and shoes is that it discourages you or it discourages your foot from strengthening itself and being able to kind of cure itself of overpronation. You know, you can do foot strengthening exercises 
um, and you can change the way that you run in order to not have this problem. But obviously, you know, mostly people are like, oh, can I be bothered to do that? I just like going out for a run three times a week. Give me a piece of kit that does this. And that's great. I don't want to have to get home and start picking up towels with my toes and running golf balls under my feet and doing whatever else it is I have to do to strengthen these tendons. And that's fair enough. But increasingly, the, the message, the current wisdom now from shoe brands is when you're choosing a pair of shoes, go on comfort. It's very simple. There is still value, you know, uh, uh, there is still value in going to a specialist running store and having your gait analyzed and listening to the advice of the staff there if they are appropriately trained. However, if that's not something you want to do, you want to buy your shoes online or you've got you know, a brand that you've tried and it's, and it's always worked for you, don't overcomplicate it. It should go by comfort. The, the research overwhelmingly shows that the shoe that you find most comfortable when you put it in your foot is probably the shoe for you. There's a reason why your body's very sophisticated. It knows the messages to give you. Yeah, I mean, and that's 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 as, as much as we've ever tried to communicate. I think um, is that exactly what you say. The body is very good at signalling whether or not something is working efficiently with you and the way that you move. So, from a shoe point of view, if it's comfortable, that's the best place to start. Yeah, I mean, there were people listening to this who go, "These two clowns don't know what they're talking about." I've worn Asics <laughs> Gel Kyano since version five, and it's on version twenty-seven. Always done me proud. To which I say, fine, that's great. You've worked out what works for you. Um, but should the Carno, for example, become unavailable one day, don't stress about it. There will be more than one shoe out. There will be many shoes out there that will do just as good a job for you should you want to go experimenting and look for them. Just choose based on comfort and try not to get weirded out by the science. I think that, and again, price is another thing that we should we should touch upon. I think that um, those starting out, um, those starting out, and they'll see prices immediately rocketing into the 130, 150 bracket, just as sort of a, on a on a base model in a range. Um, it can be quite a sort of a, it's quite a commitment spending that much money. And obviously, if you, the more money you spend, uh, you can you can get into the 200s quite quickly. Um, price doesn't always dictate that it's the best choice but at the same time it's worth investing some money into the into your shoes i think initially it is sometimes you can be looking online and say well this shoe is 60 quid and this one's 120 and to, to my eye they look kind of the same to me if you and that's totally understandable but if you had those two shoes in front of you it, one in each hand you know even though you might not know the names of the different bits of the shoes or be able to tell what materials it's made out of you would really be able to tell the difference in quality so my guide would be, if you are, you know, a weekend warrior, if you're somebody who's taken up running and you just want to do a half hour trot a couple of times a week, uh, you know, because the doctor said you should or whatever, or for mental headspace, then I would probably look at spending no more than about 80 quid. For that, yeah. it's likely that you're not going to be buying a current season shoe, but, you know, joys of the interwebs. You can buy shoes from last season now, which are obviously still absolutely brilliant. Um, they're just yeah. significantly reduced because the brands are bringing out new shoes and new ranges all the time. So don't be afraid to go on, you know, the Runners World website or Amazon or just just kind of shop around and see what you can find. Um, in terms of if you've been running for a little bit, you've decided, oh, I need a, I need a you know a race shoe and I need my long Sunday run shoe and you know I could do with a few different pairs. I would say you you can get the job done for between 100 and 130. Now, that might sound like a yeah. lot of money. Sorry, that's for each pair, not for numerous pairs. 
yeah. that might sound like a lot of money but these days a shoe will very often due to the sophistication of the materials used it will it will last you beyond 500 miles which always used to be the kind of the standard metric for make sure your shoe lasts you six months or, or 500 miles depending on how frequently you run yeah you can get shoes now that last seven eight hundred miles and you have to ask yourself do i want a shoe that's going to conk out after 200 miles but it costs me 60 70 quid or do i want to suck it up now and not have to think about this for the, for the next year possibly a couple of years yeah. depending on how many miles i clock there's a there's an actual positive outcome of investing in yourself i find that if you actually you know you take you take your time you choose the right thing that is comfortable as you say and then you you put some money into it it shows that you're you know it, it it's a sort of it's a funny way of committing but you are committing very much then to this sort of like i'm going to go running and i'm going to go in my new shoes which might have cost me a bit of money but you know what i'm going to really enjoy running in those shoes and that helps yeah exactly i mean all the research shows that if people people get a kind of a, a bounce a mental bounce when they buy new kit because obviously they want to go out and, and show off in it and, and they feel good about it so yeah and obviously the more you spend on the shoes the more likely you are to actually put them on and go out and not just <laughs> any fortune shoes and stick them to the back of the cupboard yeah true Having said that, we both know plenty of people who've uh, taken out gym memberships and not used them. Yes. Including ourselves, yes. probably. <laughs> when you say we know people. So, we, we know people, yeah, when we look in the mirror. Um, when For those who look online and see shoes at 150, 160, you know, the, the most expensive shoes I think you and I have come across are probably the uh, the Nike shoes that, you know, that, that Elliot Kachoga did a sub two hour marathon and they came in at 250 pounds. Yeah. Asics have some around that mark as well. Mm-hmm. For 99.9% of the pop- of the running population, that is not something you need to worry about or get involved in or think, or oh, am I exponentially getting bang for buck there? Yeah. The reason why those shoes are marked so highly is because A, it, it's partly marketing, it's hype, and B, they have features in them which really are only of benefit for extremely accomplished runners who are looking for, you know, marginal gains yeah. in the British cycling term. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that, you know, um, they may well aid your performance to a degree. Uh, if you, you know, if you're looking to run a new 5K and you put PB time, and you want to really, you know, take every single precautionary measure that you can outside of training really, really hard and <laughs> all of those things, then yes, I think those shoes are, are have a have a time and a place. But you will equally run that PB in a in a less expensive pair of shoes um, by just sort of i think changing a few habits rather than spending more money it's a bit like the guy isn't it who's kind of spent an extra grand on a carbon fiber frame for his bike but then he's had you know eight pints and a curry the night before he goes out <laughs> yeah it's you know it's kind of like you you could spend less money and and you know change some of your habits and you would get a similar you would get a similar benefit but again it's personal choice and you you, you and i are so lucky because we get you know we get a lot of the new stuff into tests and so we get to see what it's like yeah. and we get to experience these things and i kind of you know i understand when people are like oh yeah but i need to have that new thing because everyone's chatting about mm. it um, and that's cool if you love that kind of thing and you're an early adopter and you want to buy the new thing whatever it is whether it's headphones or a cap or shoes or whatever then then cool whatever gets you out running whatever keeps you on the road whatever keeps you healthy and moving yeah I mean, just to give an example, I think just to, to really clarify, there was a um, there's a there's a there's a pair of shoes by, that Reebok make called the Reebok Float Ride Energy, um, 
And we were all yeah. fairly cynical within the office about Reebok and their running output because they'd very much moved into the world of CrossFit and their running shoes had, had sort of dwindled a little bit. They came in for testing and, and across the board, everyone loved them. And they were about 60 pounds, I think. Uh, yes. Yeah. And it just goes to show that now and again, it's this very simple running shoe. It's a neutral platform. It's got a probably like an eight mil drop or something like that. There's no fancy laces. It's just a good, well-made, simple running shoe. And across the board, everyone really liked it. And that goes to show that you don't have to. And then when we were wearing them to run in them, everyone was really enjoying running. And it wasn't an, it wasn't an expensive shoe. And it's the same feeling of putting on your you know, next percent turbo, whatever, is the same feeling. So there's a sort of, there's de definitely, yeah. um, there's definitely sort of some shoes out there, which are probably, I don't know, under the radar, which are just as good as everything else. Yeah, this is why sometimes if you have the, the, the kind of the time uh, or the inclination to do it, it is worth experimenting. I mean, we only discovered that shoe because of where we work. Mm. You know, I'll be quite honest, had I been just, Sort of somebody going about my business and i'd seen an ad for it i would have completely ignored it for the reasons that you say well, i wouldn't have associated rebot with running but gems like this come up and on a, you know it, it's a classic example that shoe and shoes like it of reminding us what it's important to look for in a shoe which is when you put the shoe on does it fit properly yeah it sounds like a really kind of almost stupidly simple point to make but you would be shocked at the number of people who will go with a shoe that doesn't fit properly just because it's the brand that they want or it has the aesthetic that they think look cool yeah does it you know is there enough room in the forefoot for your toes to to splay a little bit because it's going to splay out when your foot lands yeah is there a snug fit in the midfoot is your heel when you've got it tied how you normally would tie it is your heel snug or is it rattling around in the back yeah those are the basics from there does it feel like it gives you adequate bounce? Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Um, does it feel durable? Does it feel as though it's responsive, which means is the foot, is the shoe moving with your foot when it, you know, your hip, your heel connects with the floor, then rolls through to your forefoot? Or does it feel like you're kind of running in wellies a little bit? Yeah. 
you know, all those things are the basics. And then of course, the only other thing to consider is breathability, do your feet get really hot and sweaty, uh, and weatherproofing. If you go out for a run in the rain, you know, is, is the rain yeah. going to get through or not? I mean, on that, trail shoes, obviously very much when we talk about one shoe, one pair of shoes will do it all, not necessarily the case. Trail shoes are definitely worth investing in. Um, unfortunately, if you have a brand and a shoe model that you really love and you think that will equate to the same in a trail shoe, doesn't necessarily work out that way. Um, but again, because of just basically the construction elements of a trail shoe are different from a road shoe. There's a few things that, you know, um, that you'll notice tread pattern, elevated lugs for grip. You'll see that um, trail shoes tend to have a slightly wider toe box, which you know is actually way more comfortable than something that you kind of want normal shoes to have. But um, you know, a trail shoe, they're they're much they're much more robust. Um, they'll have more they'll have more uh, structure to them um, and some more protective elements, especially around the toes. Some even have something called a rock plate, which is built into the sole to stop you from hurting the bottom of your feet if you're running on particularly rough terrain so there's uh, trail shoes are a whole different kettle of fish but the same principle applies comfort is definitely going to be the main thing um and you just want to basically go from is it comfortable yes okay what terrain am i running on is it going to be dry single trail sort of grassy bits okay well i don't need a load of grip or am i plunging through mud or i need loads of grip and I think then, you know, again, as you said about running shoes, nowadays there is such a fine scale of different shoe that you can get. You will be able to find something that suits all of your needs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a good point about not just necessarily going with the, with the road shoe brand that you, that you like so much and looking for what trail shoes they do. There's a reason why the most popular trail shoes are made by trail and off-road specific companies who don't really mm. have a presence in the road shoe market such as Innovate and Salomon and La Sportiva. Um, they, they are specialists in what they do and you know now you can if you are somebody who you know you, I just want to run from my house to the park and then run around on the grass or do a park run or whatever there's a shoe for that. If you love doing cross-country and diving through sludge and mud and puddles there's a shoe for that. If you want to go up to mm. the Lake District and be like a mountain goat and go from rock to rock and jump around on moss and lichen and heather there's a shoe for that so you need to make sure that you look first first and foremost what surface am i going to be running on and then look you know start from the bottom up with a trail shoe what's the underneath of the shoe like and is it matched to the surface i'm going to be running on second from that is it going to give me the protection i need if you like you know diving through the undergrowth and through woods and like you say where there's going to be kind of like tree roots and rocks are you going to be protected uh, and then thirdly, obviously comfort as well. There are very few stability features on trail shoes. So those medial posts mm. that we were talking about and things that keep your foot rolling forward in a straight line, all bets are off with trail because obviously when you're running on, on uneven surfaces, uphill and downhill, your foot does not land in the same way. So you yeah. don't need those features. So therefore all it comes down to is comfort, which as you say, is, is the toe box wide enough? Is there enough cushioning, etc. That's shoes. I feel like that could be a podcast in itself, but we should talk about some other components of the running wardrobe. Um, socks. We, let's get into socks because it's, I think, often a bypassed uh, and a neglected part of the running wardrobe. People just will throw on an, the old pair of three for three for a pound Dunlops from Sports Direct or something like that and crack on. And they, they do work to yeah. a, de a, de a degree. There's nothing wrong with that. 
but you will probably have an elevated experience shall we say if you invest a little bit in in a nice sock yeah you won't be coming home after a few runs and saying well running gives you blisters i'm not doing that again yeah because that's a lot of the time that's what will happen the cheaper the sock the more likely you are to pick up rubbing and chafing and blisters and you know have the sock bunching up underneath your foot and the elastic going around the cuff at the top and all those kinds of things mm. you know when i first started running 105 years ago <laughs> i was shocked that a, 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 a sock would uh cost 15 16 quid yeah um you can get socks now that were at the really top end that'll cost like 27 28 quid and you know again you don't need those so i would say the sweet spot is somewhere between 10 and 15 quid per pair of socks yeah which might horrify some listeners those who are like well i buy my normal socks you know five pairs from marks and Spencer's for 10 quid why should this be any different you get what you pay for so what you need to look for on a pair of running socks is are there seamless toes people get a lot of blisters when they wear socks that have seams across you know kind of like where the toe meets your foot yeah if there are seams there they're going to rub over the longer miles you want seamless toes you want durability you want breathability you want the weave to be such that your foot is not going to get hot sweaty yeah you want them to be elasticated in the right places there will be arch support so that just if you've got slightly flat feet it will lift your arches a little bit and also hug the sock to your foot in a more ergonomic shape so it, does, so it doesn't kind of like bunch up in the middle yeah there will probably be ventilation holes at points there may even be there will be padding on underneath the balls of the foot and on the heel um so that if you land particularly heavily it will just sort of help a little bit as well yeah now you know it might sound like oh that sounds a bit complicated but i would recommend just just buying one pair first spend 10 12 quid just google best running socks i'm not going to start making recommendations because again all these things are quite personal i have my favorites but then people might buy them and they don't suit them and they think well yeah that's a load of nonsense yeah, yeah. so just google best running socks there are tons of brands out there right and this is um this is a, this isn't necessarily a kit chat but this is and i think this is something that i've mentioned previously but you you put a, a bit of, of a, a bit of lube on your toes don't you i do yeah uh i i not a bit i slather it on um so lube is i would say is one of those things that's absolutely essential i remember one year when we were at the london marathon expo and uh runners world had a stand there and uh one of my jobs was obviously to field questions from sort of readers who were coming up who'd, who'd read the mag or nervous first-time marathoners who wanted their questions answered um and uh middle-aged man came up to me and said I've, I've heard something about lubrication but i don't know what it is what is it <laughs> so i kind of explained that it's you know it's essentially just vaseline or, or or any other kind of unguent like that and you put it on areas where you think there is likely to be chafing such as your toes your heels you know in between your thighs and, and for blokes wearing a t-shirt on your nipples mm. and he just stared at me wordlessly in disgust and then just went, that's appalling he turned on his heel and walked off <laughs> But, so, but you turned me onto this. You you told me about putting some on your, on my toes and, and for especially for long runs. Uh, and it, yeah, it does. It you know it's quite a, it's it's quite a, an interesting. As we're talking about shoes and socks and the feet, yeah. There's a there's just a, a point there to recommend if you've not tried it, put some get some body glide or some actually some like chamois cream if you're a cyclist. Try some of that or whatever you want. Put some on your toes. 
in between the toes stops any sort of additional friction it's quite comfy it's quite it's quite comfortable yeah you can just google sports lube or anti-chafing lube um you know they they again they come in all types you can get ones that are scented unscented uh, i would look out for ones that uh say non-greasy and also non-marking some lubes can leave stains on your kit um but if i'm doing uh a long run which for me is anything over 15 miles i will absolutely religiously put some on my nipples put some in between my thighs um and on my feet and it just means that i don't have to worry about chafing even if you know i get really sweaty and my t-shirt is hanging quite heavy or you know my feet are really hot it just it just gets the job done it's just a kind of a belt and braces approach so shorts shorts again you and i have very different taste in this you like it you like a short short to uh, show off your muscular thighs mate i like a short short uh, and i've got i've got quite into like a half tight not a, not like a capri not below the knee half tight. but just like a short you know like a basically like lycra shorts like a cycling short yeah like it's like cycling it's like a cycling short but without the padding yeah i've got quite into those oh okay <laughs> and um do you wear normal yeah. shorts over, over the top I definitely do not. Oh, you don't? No, no. They've got a liner in them. The ones that I've got, so there's some tracksmiths make some some very nice ones that have got a liner to them. And I think that okay. Pearl Azumi used to make a pair. I think even Nike have started making. Basically, you've got to have a liner. But you know when you, you know, there needs to be a frontage to it for modesty. But yeah. Um, there does. Definitely. If you've ever had a sort of a chafed inner thigh from a, from a short short, a, a half tight is quite a good thing to look at because there's absolutely zero chafing, chafing and they're very comfortable you've just got to get over the appearance aesthetic issues i guess is that is the main concern but anyway yeah shorts you're right comfort, comfort and aerodynamics are everything with shorts for me and this is one of the areas where i'm going to recommend spending a little bit more money yeah. um, it's obviously different for women because a lot of women choose to wear leggings of some description whereas they're full length seven eighths capri or whatever mm. Uh, and skorts, a combination of skirts and shorts, are becoming increasingly popular for women, which is something that kind of sprang up from the, the trial running scene. Yeah. Um, in terms of blokes wearing shorts, I would say that where your money goes, the more you spend, is that it's, it's more ergonomically designed, which simply means it's not going to ride up. You know, when you get that horrible thing, it's riding up on your inner thighs and you have to keep pulling it down yeah. because it's getting tucked up under your groin. The more expensive the short, the less likely it is to do that. And it's you know, the less baggy they are, the less likely, you know, I would be circumspect about buying running shorts that have pockets in them. I do have uh, shorts like that, but I make sure that if there are pockets in my shorts, they are zip ones so that when they are closed, I can zip them up and there's, you don't have the flap of the, the short sticking out, which your hands can catch when your arms swinging past, yeah. which drives me nuts. Uh, you don't want them catching the wind. You just want to be able to forget that you're wearing the shorts, and often that comes with mm. spending somewhere something like. Well, shorts can go anywhere up to eighty quid, but I would say thirty to fifty quid, you're going to get a very, very decent pair of shorts that are going to last you a long time, aren't going to stink the house out within half a dozen runs, yeah. are going to be very comfortable and supportive, um, and unobtrusive and ergonomically designed. And then t-shirts. Most performance tees these days will be obviously a synthetic construction um and again they can they can go up to sort of 80 pounds i think can't they yeah they can at the really top end but i mean would i spend my own money on 80 quid on a single running t-shirt no, no i wouldn't um i you know I, I do have some of those in my wardrobe but you know i equally i have t-shirts from 
decathlon that costs you know 10 or 12 quid yeah um and there were definitely sort of horses for courses in that area everybody's got their favorite race day t-shirt which you you obviously have to wear yep um i think it's perfectly possible to get a, a really functional t-shirt that's kind of for, for men it'll be just a fairly standard cut box shaped um flat lock seams which means you know the seams are kind of double knitted down inside so they don't rub against your skin yeah. um and ones that are reasonably breathable for like sort of 12 15 quid yeah um i've got t-shirts that are 20 quid 25 quid adidas do some good ones uh, you know at that kind of like price point um it's it's kind of up to you really but you know the more you get the, the higher you go up the more sophisticated the fabrics are probably the more ethically sourced the greener that they are in terms of the the fabrics and the production processes that have been used um and then obviously simply put that like the, the cooler and more exclusive the brands but really i would say you should be able to get you know get yourself five running t-shirts for somewhere between sort of 100 to 150 quid and they'll they'll see you out for a long time yeah i would agree the way that a t-shirt hangs is going to be important the way that it moves when you sort of run inside to side if it if it has a lot of material to it then you it begins to interfere with what you're with, with you and what you're doing it's when chafing can occur so you do want to kind of like you know big and baggy running t-shirts aren't necessarily what you're looking for here you want to make sure that it's you know flattering you don't want to buy something that isn't flattering because you won't want to wear it you won't like running in it i've i've 100 percent been guilty of putting something on that I thought looked good, but was actually awful to run in um, because, you know, I thought it was, it was good or cool or whatever I thought it was at the time. And it's just affected how you run. Um, so, yeah, I think it's worth, that's definitely something you can try on as a t-shirt um, uh, and go and just see how they all fit. But as, as you say, I mean, I've got ones that cost, I've got DHB ones that I love, which are probably 15 quid and I've got some 50 quid dry fit ones, which are equally a brilliant. So, um yeah i think that t-shirt stuff comes down to like all t-shirts that you buy in any shop the the the, the cut and the fit will, will be the main thing that you need to look at yeah it'll be stuff like as well if it's a t-shirt that's got you know like a quarter zip on it you know the zips will be more expensive and and, and better quality the higher you go um you know the, the stitches will be will be stronger there'll probably be reflective details on it to make you more visible in low in lower light stuff like that the thing that I would say with regards to if people are listening saying, well, I'm, I really am on a budget and I, you know, I don't have 100 to 150 five t-shirts and I want to go as cheap as possible. The cheaper you go with t-shirts, at the bottom end, two things are almost certainly going to happen with, with that t-shirt once you start using it and washing it. It will bobble very quickly and it will smell very quickly. I mean, I'm sure we've, you and I and, and people listening have run past other runners before whose t-shirts absolutely hum when you go past them and then you clock that it's a, that's a, it's a kind of like a budget brand yeah those aren't necessarily deal breakers though if, they, if you don't care about those things that's fine the t-shirts kind of basic structural integrity will hold up and it's not going to chafe you to bits and stuff it's just obviously a lot of people would prefer to have tops that lasted longer before it got to that point yeah I mean there's a few brands out there um there's a brand called Polygene, which is like a coating that can be added to T-shirts, which is Correct. which is a sort of antibacterial um, coating, which stops it from smelling really bad. Some some T-shirts will incorporate silver into it, which can, again is antibacterial. Um, so they're all sort of price, yeah. they're also price point bits to look out for if that's something that you want to make sure you don't have. 
if you are if you do have a little bit more money to spend and you're curious about why you're seeing a profusion of merino wool tops around uh it's because merino wool is kind of the it's the sort of holy grail of running apparel fabrics really um mm. it's obviously taken from a, a particular type of sheep it is extremely soft and luxuriant feeling it's very mm. very durable and will and will last you years it is naturally antibacterial which means it won't you know it takes a lot lot longer to start smelling for the kind of like the, the odor to get caught in the weave um yeah. and it's also naturally temperature regulating it's got a very neat trick where you can wear you can wear the same t-shirt largely in kind of spring and autumn because it will warm you up if you're a bit chilly and bizarrely it will cool you down if you're a bit hot so there we go there's a whole world of stuff you just need to uh you know you can spend hours on the runners world website if you want looking at all of the different bits of kit um but i think from a starting point of view those are your kind of key elements good shoes comfortable shoes invest in some socks find some shorts which you will forget that you're wearing but do remember to wear shorts that's very important and <laughs> or leggings or yeah. leggings yeah, exactly and then uh yeah a t-shirt something that's comfortable because otherwise you just won't enjoy it at all um and i think those are probably the sort of four the four key bits of kit that you need i think well there's probably one other area that we should kind of briefly cover off which is watches oh devices true not and there, there will be at some point there will probably be a whole podcast devoted to this i reckon that's a separate podcast so let's let's use that as a little teaser and and keep people listening for the for the <laughs> gps watch special that we're going to be yeah ch chapter and verse on vertical oscillation and ground contact time oh my god Snore. who who doesn't want to listen to that um but mate thank you so much for 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 showering us with your fountain of knowledge <laughs> welcome so that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. A big thanks to Kerry McCarthy for joining me and, of course, to you for listening. Apologies for the audio quality. We had a few technical issues with this, uh, this week's podcast, but we'll be back in fine fettle for next week. Um, the subscriber offer for listeners is still available, so hurstmagazines.co.uk slash Runners World podcast to get this exclusive listener offer of three issues for only £5. Uh, the Runners World podcast is available on Acast, iTunes and all your favourite podcast apps. Please just search Runners World UK. Thanks for listening and we will see you again next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.